It's Wednesday, September 10th. Welcome to the Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Tony Arsta. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Tech genius, tech analyst, <laughs> Tony Arsta, because unlike yesterday, we are going to talk about today the Apple event. We'll also get into a conference that Tony was recently at in New York City. Uh, see if there are any takeaways from that. But let's now that we've had 24 hours to digest the news, uh, and for those who are just hearing the news, I can't believe anyone listening hasn't heard this because, gosh, this just took over CNBC. It was it was everywhere. But uh, just in case you missed it, Apple unveiled two new phones: the six and the six plus, the much rumored smartwatch and a mobile payment system called Apple Pay. Let's go through these one by one. Let's start with the phones. They're bigger. Both of them are bigger than the the 5S. Both are bigger, yes. And the 6 Plus is bigger than the 6. And that uh, that's uh, I saw um, one of the television ads that they're running with Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake. They're each you see their hands, they're each holding the phone one is bigger than the other. Uh, you made the comment right before we started taping that uh, the, based on the specs, it looks like the six plus is about the size of the Samsung phone that you have. The right, not the Samsung S phone, but the Samsung Note, which is what people call the phablet, the phone tablet. Uh, so the six plus, we, we, we got to get rid of that word. By we, the way. we do. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I think six plus will get rid of phablet. Yes, uh, that'll. It will definitely sell better than the Samsung Note ever sold. And uh, it, it's a great product, but it is very large. And I think some people might buy it thinking they want the bigger phone, having gone from previous iPhones, which are tiny by comparison. And it, it will be a, a bit of a shock to people how much bigger that, that screen really is. Was there anything in the phones that surprised you? Because you know. You study this business closely. This is the bread and butter. The, it, uh, the iPhone is the bread and butter right. of Apple's revenue. Did anything surprise you, or were these upgrades sort of about what you expected? Basically, everything had been leaked already. So, so people had already seen these phones. The manufacturers have already begun manufacturing because these products will be out on September 19th, so about 10 days from now. So manufacturing has already been in full swing, and when manufacturing is in full swing, that means products get leaked. So there was really nothing about these devices that that was unexpected. The smartwatch, I'm going to call it a disappointment from this standpoint. Uh, when you look at a stock chart of what happened to Apple's shares during this event, they go through the first hour, and it's all about the phones. Right. Uh, it's about Apple Pay, and Tim Cook pulls out the great play from Steve Jobs' playbook: the one more thing. But there's just one more thing, and there's applause, and they unveil the smartwatch, and at that moment, shares of Apple spiked. Right, they were I think over 103. Right, and from that moment, which is about. 2 o'clock in the afternoon right. Eastern Time, so two hours left in the trading day. From that moment to the end of the trading day, shares fell almost 5%. Right. And I'm curious if there was anything in the smartwatch that uh, you thought, oh, I really, I mean, one of the things we talked about earlier was the battery life and right. how this is a device you do need to charge on a nightly basis. And I looked at that, I looked, not that I thought, well, they're going to have a battery 
that you only need to charge once a month or something like that. But I thought, gosh, if they could get that to once a week, that would be a pretty significant differentiator mm-hmm. from the other smartwatches that are readily uh, readily available to people. Yeah, I'm actually uh, a little bit fearful over the battery life because they didn't mention it at all during the conference. They, they didn't say a word about the battery life. After the conference was over, there was some Q&A with reporters, and when they asked specifically about the battery life, they were told you would need to charge it at night. So I'm a little concerned that it might not even last a full day depending on how you use it. The fact that they didn't say a word about the battery at all is is pretty scary. And fairly or unfairly, there were high expectations because it's mm-hmm. Apple, because of their track record with mobile phones, creating a brand new category with the iPad. And when Samsung came out with the Galaxy Watch, there were some people, I don't want to say ridiculing, because that's probably too strong a word, but there were people who were sort of scoffing at the idea that, well, Samsung has this smartwatch, but you also have to have a Samsung phone on you at the same time. Well, that's exactly what the deal is with Apple's new smartwatch. You have to have an iPhone on your person while you have this thing on your wrist. You have to have an iPhone. There are certain things that the watch apparently will be able to do when you don't have the phone with you, like keeping track of of your health, your heartbeat, those sorts of things. And uh, I've I've seen that you might be able to play music without having your phone with you, but that hasn't been confirmed by Apple from from what I've seen. Uh, so yeah, it is very much like the the Samsung watches. the The main difference is that uh, Apple has designed its own user interface for this. They have a, a dial that lets you zoom in and scroll. And with the Samsung device, it was very difficult to actually accomplish anything. We'll we'll have to wait and see and, and play with this watch to see if this is any better, but at least Apple has put some thought into the user experience. You and I have both uh, consciously or unconsciously alluded to the future with this smartwatch, and that's because it is not available for sale yet. It will not right. be until early 2015, so we could be as much as maybe five months away, mm-hmm. six months away from this actually being on the market. Do you expect Apple to unveil new features at the time that this comes out. Let's just say for the sake of argument, it's March 1st, 2015. Do you think they're going to spend time trying to come up with maybe even just one or two new features so that part of the news is not just the smartwatch is now available for sale. It's, oh, by the way, we didn't talk about this at the event on September 9th, but here's some new bells and whistles. Yeah, Apple is always coming up with new things, and they're opening this up for developers to create new new uses and uh, up until now they were trying to be secretive and keep the product quiet so uh, the the amount that developers have had a chance to play with it I am not sure to to what extent that has really flown through yet and if you look at previous Apple devices the first generation typically is missing key features the first iPhone for example didn't even have an app store you could only use apps that Apple put on the product for you so, oh, gosh, so right. the iPhone has come <laughs> a long way. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw uh, one person commenting that uh, sort of talking about uh, that very idea that hey, look, this is just the first version of this watch, and in comparing it to the iPhone, this would be like the iPhone three. Like mm-hmm. if the if the very first iPhone was on the level of really the third iteration of the phone. Right. Uh, let's talk about Apple Pay because that appears to be. 
uh, again, now that we have 24 hours to digest this, this appears to be the thing that uh, investors, Wall Street analysts, I'm assuming analysts like yourself, are looking at and saying, no, this this could be uh, the big thing for Apple. Uh, it's certainly the big thing for eBay, because shares of eBay, last time I checked them, they were down about 4%, mm-hmm. because lest you think it's all about uh, being an auction house for Pez dispensers, what is it? Somewhere north of forty percent of overall revenue for eBay comes from PayPal. Right, it's a big number. And gosh, I mean, what's worse than hearing you have a brand new competitor in your space and it's Apple? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, how is this going to work? How is Apple Pay going to work? Because they have partnerships lined up with Visa, Mastercard, and American Express. Right. So they're in over two hundred thousand retail stores already. Uh, that that will support this payment, and it is about I think about the number I heard was about ten percent of retail locations in the U.S. Uh, depending on what you count as a location, a little less than that. Yes, yeah. uh, it, it's actually good timing for Apple. I know people uh, they use something called near field communication (NFC), which has been around for a couple of years now. Android phones have had it in certain models for two or three years now, and it's really never caught on. No one wants to take their phone and tap a terminal that may or may not work. What Apple has done, though, is they, they time this very well. Over the next year or so, you'll, you'll see most major credit cards in the U.S. replaced, where instead of doing the swipe and sign a piece of paper, it has a chip in it, and you enter in a PIN number. So due to this whole chip technology, which Europe has been using for years, most retail locations around the U.S. are currently in, a, in the process of replacing and upgrading their payment terminals. Now, as they upgrade those payment terminals, they'll include these NFC readers, which will work with Apple Pay. So Apple has timed this perfectly. On top of that, another thing that Apple has added that the Android phones and no one else has has really gotten right is that when you pay at a retailer now using Apple Pay, that retailer does not get your credit card information. They get a one-time number, which then goes back to Apple. So instead of trusting every retailer you deal with to protect your information, People like Target that have messed it up recently. You're now and, relying and even only more on re- Apple. Even more recently, Home Depot right. with, with their own data. And region. even more recently, arguably, Apple has had some issues as well. Yeah. Well, and that was, I mean, you made the point they didn't talk in the presentation. Uh, Tim Cook didn't say anything about charging the watch or the battery life of the watch. Uh, he did spend time talking about security. I mean, that, that was clearly, uh, particularly in the wake of the, the iCloud and the celebrity photo scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's face it, it's people's money. So, uh, it, I mean, that was something, and I didn't watch the presentation start to finish. I sort of went in and out of it. Um, but I did watch that part where he was talking about it. And, and that just struck me as, gosh, that's a, that's a, really, um, it's a really smart idea. Yeah, the nice thing about credit card payments is that the payments will be able to, to be handled while the credit card information is kept in a completely separate location. Can't really say the same for photos and things like that. Are are they making money off of this, or is this just one more way to keep uh, people tied to the the App Store and the iTunes system? It's mostly a way to keep people tied, but they will be making money. So the the big fear that a lot of uh, a lot of the industry had coming into this was that they would almost like PayPal try to disrupt the industry, try to replace people like Visa and Mastercard. Instead, what they're doing is they're working with the the networks like Visa, but they're taking a cut. So every time a a credit card is used through Apple Pay, Visa takes their cut from the merchant, 
and then Apple will take a, a sliver of that cut from Visa. So they will get paid on this. You can follow us on Twitter, at MarketFoolery is our handle. Uh, speaking of mobile payment, uh, we got a tweet from one of our listeners, at uh, Rob Rob, who wrote, company changes its name because, boy, did it ever need to. Uh, and he sent a link to this story about a mobile payment company. And there, there are a lot of players in this space. It's not right. just uh, PayPal. Uh, a company that previously had the unfortunate name Isis Wallet. <laughs> Uh, announced that they were changing their name to SoftCard, so smart move there. ISIS, that that uh, company was actually a, a venture of, I believe it was American Express, Visa, MasterCard, AT&T, and Verizon, all teamed up, put in $100 million to come up with this. So they they need some rebranding. And then probably, yeah, I was just going to say, and then put in a few more dollars for rebranding. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on yesterday's Market Foolery, uh, Mark Reith and I were talking about uh, we got the email question, what companies are nervous going into Apple's event? I mentioned the possibility of Apple's partners or suppliers. And sure enough, uh, a company I had never heard of before today, GT Advanced Technologies, uh, one of the biggest losers on the NASDAQ today, uh, down 14%. The last time I saw it, this is one of Apple's suppliers. Right. They do Sapphire cover screens. And I guess Apple is going to be... at least. Cutting back somewhat on the Sapphire cover screens. Yeah, one of the big complaints of the iPhone for the last few years is the screen cracking as people drop it, which I guess that happens. It's, yeah. it's hard to avoid. Uh, and the the hope was that with the Sapphire screen, it would be more resilient and less less breaking. And uh, a lot of people were were expecting Sapphire screens on the iPhone, and that that didn't happen. So as a result that company is suffering. It is the blessing and the curse of right. being one of Apple's suppliers, I suppose. Um, before I let you go, you recently were in New York City. You were at an emerging markets conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what your takeaways were, whether there were any specific trends that were being focused on, specific markets that people were interested in. Um, what was your, you know, what what were one or two of your takeaways from the conference? As you look at emerging markets over, say, the last three years, one of the weaker areas has been Latin America, specifically Brazil. Plenty of weak areas. Yes, uh, <laughs> plenty of weak areas. Although in, in the last twelve months or so, most of Asia has has done quite well, uh, but not Latin America. And there's a lot of consumer weakness. There's inflation issues. There's government debt issues. Uh, just consumer spending shifts. So it's been a difficult environment for a lot of companies there. So I was seeing a lot of investors interested in in those types of companies, and they all seem to be using a similar playbook, and that's uh, we have a large supply chain, a large scale advantage, and most of the Brazilian economy is still traditional mom-and-pop type shops. So all these large players are, are basically competing on price, competing on scale advantages, and destroying a lot of the smaller competition that the family-owned stores that just can't compete in a global market. So this is Walmart in 1980 here in the United States? It's very similar <laughs> over any any type of retail you can imagine. Uh, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is uh, normally whenever uh, Tony or Tim Hansen or Bill Barker, one of the full funds guys, is uh, up here. This is normally when I put in a plug for Declarations, the free monthly newsletter. I just learned uh, from one of our our colleagues in our member services department that uh, we're having some tech issues on the Fool Funds website. Uh So people have been trying to sign up for Declarations. 
Um, we're aware of the problem. I apologize that because uh, that, gosh, that's frustrating. I know what that's like to, to go to a website and you're trying to do something basic and it's not letting you do that. So uh, our apologies on that. We will get that fixed. So uh, hold off for now. But uh, once it's up and running again, uh, I'll, I'll make sure everybody knows. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That is it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Washington Nationals fan Dan Boyd, and a happy fan he is. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.